Welcome to Rooting For You, a seasonal gardening podcast for non-experts. I'm Tess and I know nothing. And I'm Elise and I know some things. Each week we'll chat about one gardening topic and then discuss the effort reward payoff by asking, is the juice worth the squeeze? Just a heads up, there might be a bit of swearing in this episode. You've been warned. As mentioned on last week's episode, it is the perfect time to chat about growing figs. I love, love, love figs and they are bloody expensive to buy. Also, just coming back from my holiday in Italy, it blew my mind that there are figs just growing everywhere. By the side of the road, anywhere you look, figs are growing. The other thing is, I'm just generally fascinated about how figs grow or pollinate. I'm not sure about the technicalities there. But Elise, can you tell us about the role of a wasp in the life of a fig? Figs are a really interesting fruit because technically they're not a fruit. They're what? An, they're an inside-out flower. Oh. Like this is some crazy stuff. Yeah. Right? So it is an inside-out flower, and because it's a flower, it needs to be pollinated. Mm-hmm. And you actually, if you think about it and you've seen a fig grow, you will you can kind of understand this flower thing because when we grow an apple, for example, we have this nice white flower or like a cherry. We have the cherry blossom. Mm. We have the flower and that turns into a little fruit. Yeah, the same with your tomatoes as well. Yeah, exactly. But with the figs, we just grow straight to little figs. Yeah. There's no actual flower. Well, there is. It's the fig. Yeah, gotcha. But there's no other step. So we have this flower, this inside-out flower, and it needs to be pollinated. So what has developed over time, and kind of no one really knows like what came first, but is this symbiotic relationship where there are different varieties of wasps, and these aren't wasps that you think of like yellow jackets that are going to sting you when mm. you're out in the garden. These are little wasps like the size of a mosquito. Oh. You can't I, even, in my mind, I always pictured this as like the regular. The big ass yeah, wasp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no. These are like, I think a lot of them are even stingless. Like they couldn't even sting you okay. if they wanted. Each fig variety has a type of wasp that is it's uh, linked to or? it. Yeah, is its pollinator. And they have this relationship. So what the, f- the fig tree does is when it's ready to be pollinated, it sends off a scent, like a pheromone, mm-hmm. and then the wasp is attracted to this pheromone, so it smells it, it flies in. So it's a little tiny opening in like the butt of the fig. The female wasp crawls into the hole inside the fig and doing that, she loses her wings. Her wings get ripped off. It's so sad. It's so sad. Then what she does is she goes in and she basically lays her eggs in each of the little like flower tentacles inside the fig. The little flower womb, if you will. Yeah, the little flower womb. So it's like a cocoon and it's such and it makes sense for her, right? Because her job is to reproduce mm. and that's a safe space to lay her eggs, basically. But also she can't go anywhere else now. So well, she I don't know if she knows that at this point. Okay. But I don't know. Anyway, so she she goes in, she lays her eggs, she's done her biological duty, and then Effectively, she dies in there. And what happens to the eggs? Well, the eggs, that's a very complicated situation. But then the boy eggs hatch first. Mm. And then they go around and pollinate 
I want to say they're sisters. I don't know how that works. <laughs> and then, but they're like, they're not like wasps, like flying wasps. They're like little worms at this point. Okay. And then they chew out the hole to allow the, the girl wasps to exit. Oh, okay. So they live. They Well, they do that and then they die. Oh, the boys die, but the yeah. girls live. The girls then exit through the fig and go off and lay their own babies in another fig. So why – what do they bring to the fig? Well, it, they're bringing the pollination. So so you have to go around and get well, pollination first. Oh, gosh, it's very confusing. I think – and this is the part we're both, where we're, like – We are not scientists. Yeah, <laughs> we're getting very deep in this now. But what I think is – there's a lot of plants – well, this I don't think, this I know part. There's a lot of plants that are what's called self-fertile in that the same – like the zucchini, for example, yep. is you don't need two zucchinis mm. to cross-pollinate. You know, you have the male flowers and the female flowers. I w- would hazard a guess that inside the flower there's both genes going on and when she goes around in there – Or like mixes it all together. Yeah, she mixes yeah, it all together. Yeah, right. Because when – an insect is pollinating something, they're not trying to pollinate it. They're just going and collecting pollen and in the process of them going from one bit to the next bit, they're spreading it. Yeah. But that's not – they're not trying to spread it. It's just a the, byproduct, a of, byproduct of them getting what they need yeah. from it. So I think in the one fig everything is contained but it needs her to do her bizzo in there to spread it around. It blows my mind that pretty much from what you've told me, mm. these wasps' sole purpose in life is yeah. to grow figs. Yeah. Literally. Do they have a a hive the same way that, you know, or, or like a wasp's nest? Do they live like that when they're not in their figs? I mean, we I might, we're getting know. far too deep here. For- uh, yeah, I don't know because obviously they're not laying their eggs in some no. kind of nest or hive situation. The thing about this that blows my mind is that I planted a fig in the middle of my paddock with no other figs around that I could foreseeably see. And the fig wasp found it. The fig wasp finds it. And not just any fig wasp, the fig wasp of the fig that I chose to plant. Because I'm pretty sure each type has Well, those pheromones must be pretty intense. I reckon. I reckon. So then what are these wasps doing in the meantime? Just like hanging around in the area waiting for the – I wonder the distance that mm, this that wasp would, can that they smell would travel. it. Yeah. And how long can they live – like how Without, long are they hanging out for before yeah. they need to go lay their eggs? Can they just live indefinitely until they get the scent thrown at them? Or do they just drop dead one day and not have like yeah. grown or, you know, planted their eggs anywhere? Yeah. It is a pretty brutal life cycle because it's like <laughs> – once she's laid her eggs, her job is done. She dies. With the boys, their job is to build a hole and then die. Build a hole and then die. Like job done, death. That's grim. I think it's so that grim. the I do find it fascinating the way that you know nature has evolved mm. and the role that these figs play. And I think we just have to say a little thank you to the fig every time. Little thank you to the wasp. Thank you to the wasp. Well, to the fig because the fig is great. Yeah. yeah, I personally like. I love these symbiotic relationships where like. Something is doing something for their own good, but it is mutually beneficial. Mutually beneficial, else. yeah. yeah. And I else. think so many things in the garden done right have that relationship. Yeah. So I'm very key, like keen to cultivate it. So I actually wrote a post on I don't know Facebook or Instagram a couple of years ago about this, and I was like, "How cool is this?" And then it went into this, it descended into anarchy. 
because oh then God. people were like <laughs> like wasp rides well it was like well then the figs aren't oh and then i was making i made the point of like hey fun fact then they're not actually vegetarian and vegan because when you eat a fig you're actually eating the dead wasp the female wasp is still there and i was just saying it like cool fact and then it just went crazy with people being like don't be ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I wish I'd never said anything. Like, I'm not, I'm not making like an ethical statement about this. I'm just like, this is cool, right? So, anyway, you are eating the wasp. But here's my little caveat to the wasp discussion: is commercially, the commercial growers aren't so interested in fostering this symbiotic symbiotic relationship. Also, how do they get their figs to grow? Well, I can't quite understand it. I think they may have. They may favour varieties that are self-pollinating, like the fig itself manages this task without any need for right. a wasp. Right. So okay, okay, okay. So, so it's not necessarily all figs. Yeah, it's not rely all on figs. this. In the in the wild, or I think any fig you're gonna grow in your home garden, I'm certain we're gonna need the wasps to do the job. But I think commercially, however they do it, they've worked it out that they don't really need yeah. the wasp anymore. Have you ever opened up a fig to find a like the remnants of the little worms or the boss or anything inside? Never. But I do, from memory, I'm pretty sure the fig kind of digests down the female wasp. So it's mm. not like you can like see her hanging out in there. Like it kind of breaks her down into it. Yeah. Almost like compost or like my yeah, carnivorous right. plant. Okay. So you wouldn't, you shouldn't actually see the evidence of it yeah and even if you did it'd be like the size of a mosquito but so so yeah in our home garden we are eating the dead wasps but probably commercially you're actually not but who would know because you can't see them anyway yes indeed indeed now the fun fact about this as a home gardener other than the fact it's i think hugely fascinating is we don't need to have two figs yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of fruit trees that we've talked about, apples being a classic one, that you need two varieties that are going to cross-pollinate. Yep. With a fig, you just need one because it's all going to get done inside that flower by the wasp. Mm-hmm. So I like that. Okay, so that's great. We only need one fig. Yeah. I imagine we're not growing from seed here for a big fruit tree. That just seems probably a little bit too high basket for our yeah. thick gardeners out there. Not grown from seed. I don't even know. I don't even know if you can buy a fig seed. Like <laughs> in the same way, like you pretty much can't grow an apple from an apple seed because it's never going to be a proper apple. We have talked about this in a previous episode. I just feel certain no one has ever grown a fig from a seed. What you're going to grow it from is a cutting. Mm-hmm. Now, this is this is an interesting one because so often when you're buying a fruit tree or like a passion fruit vine or something, I would say go to a nursery, spend a bit of money and get one that's on a good rootstock. Mm. And we've talked about this before, but that's when you basically, you have a, a tree that's a good root and then you cut it off and then you attach the tree that you want the fruit of on top. And then you've got this like strong rootstock and the fruit that you want. Yeah, what, it's called grafting, grafting. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at you go. And you could see the little slit. You see the in. slit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That is really valuable, right? Because we're not doing that as home gardeners. 
So if I'm no, buying outsource that, we're going to outsource that. So if I'm buying a passion fruit, I'm going to go to the nursery and I'm going to pay for one that they've done because they've done a nice graft for me. Happy days. Mm-hmm. With a fig, no one's grafting figs. So because you don't need to, because you don't need to. Yeah, it's just because they're quite the prolific growers. They're monsters. Yeah, in the best way. So because you're not paying for the graft, effectively what the nursery has done is cut a stick off a fig tree, stuck it in some soil and grown some roots. And if you're interested in cuttings, we've done a whole episode on it. We've done a whole episode on it. And I would say if there is only one thing you ever grow from a cutting. It's a fig. It's a fig. Mm. You could prune your fig and it's going to drop, the little sticks are going to drop onto the ground and they're going to grow roots on the ground. Right. Okay. It is a monster this way. Mm. So if you know someone with a fig tree, if there's a fig tree in your area, go along, get a second to chop it off, listen to our growing from cuttings episode and you've got a fig tree. Yeah. Amazing. So I would say if there's one time that we can save some money in the garden, this is it. Yep. So that's not with doing. your passion fruit. Not with your passion fruit. With your fig. Absolutely. So with that, the, if you are going to buy it from the nursery, all power to you, you're obviously going to get a more established plant than what you are mm. if you do your cutting. Now winter is the time to buy it because you're going to buy a bare-rooted fruit stock. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a lot cheaper. Yeah, great. A bare-rooted fruit stock. Oh, my God. A bare-rooted root stock. A bare-rooted <laughs> bare bare fruit tree or a bare-rooted root stock? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Combine the two into one. So for more details on that, go to the episode on planting bare-rooted fruit trees. Yeah, and the benefit is of a bare-rooted tree in winter is mm. that you can move them around and they, they do all right. Yeah. So basically they're so dormant that – there's no activity whatsoever, which means that nurseries can sell them a lot cheaper because they're not having them sitting in big pots of soil. Mm. You're going to get a cheaper price. And then when you plant them, it's very hard to damage them in this yep. process. So absolutely planting them in winter, whether it be from a cutting or whether it be from something you've purchased. Mm-hmm. And the thing is with the frig tree, because it is so prolific, so cheap to acquire, all these kind of things, I do think it's a really brilliant beginner gardener or newbie gardener or small space gardener option for a fruit mm. tree and the self, the self-fertileness. So this is one where if people are like, you know what, I'm interested in growing food, but a fruit tree is beyond me. If there was one to include, it would be a fig. Yeah. Okay. So if you're talking about growing it in a pot, you mentioned small yes. space gardeners. Yes. What would be like the smallest pot size you'd go for? Well, here's something very controversial I'm going to say for me. I think figs for the most part, should be grown in pots, not in the ground. Okay, this is getting on to a topic. That I, we, we must have spoken about figs briefly in another episode that we've... In the fruit tree episode. Okay. We talked a lot about figs. And what I remembered you mm. telling me, because it just has give, it scarred me, if thinking about figs as these <laughs> monsters, is they're like roots can mm. get into your pipes. Yeah. So they are so prolific and so effective at growing that they can actually cause a lot of damage if you had them next to a house, like to the foundations of the house mm. or like to your pipes. So I'm very, very cautious of where you would put it. Obviously, if you've got some big backyard, you can stick it in a corner, no problem. But I think – Yes, like away from – Away from – The house or any other buildings that it might be around. Exactly. Your neighbor's house. I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> like there are a lot of places in like a suburban, you know, quarter acre block that you could plant a fig tree, definitely. But I would not be – I personally would not be planting it 
next to your house, yeah. next to stuff. Yeah, no, they're just they're so, and this is their the benefit of them and the curse of them. Mm. So for one, so that's one reason why I think growing them in pot is much easier because you can you can really manage them a lot better, and they will a hundred percent fruit in a pot. Small the pot, the less fruit you're going to get. Bigger yep. the pot, the more fruit, but you will get fruit. Here's the other thing: is it is considered. I don't know whether this is like old wives' tale or true, but a fig will fruit better when its roots are contained. Oh, that feels old wives' tale to me. Well, in some ways it does to me too, but in other ways, we see this time and time again. Like with tomatoes, we definitely know if we keep them a bit pot bound, it doesn't encourage them. Mm to fruit mm. earlier and it does make sense in a literal sense because if the roots are constrained that fig is stressed about its survival so what does a plant do when it wants to survive it makes flowers yeah okay okay so if we want it to fruit which is probably we want like in stressed. line with tomatoes as well exactly for, oh that's 100 yeah. percent why tomatoes do it because you you kind of get them a little bit pot bound and then they're like shit i'm gonna yeah, die yeah. i need to reproduce and then they make more flowers okay so not only is the pot easier to manage, but we actually may well get a better harvest for it. Okay. I like it. I like it. But how – so how small is too small? You can grow them in very small pots, but you would get like literally one fig. So I would say for any kind of – like I have a couple in pots and they would be maybe half a metre diameter. Yeah. Okay. That would be, I think, the smallest you'd bother. Yep. So it's like a medium-sized pot. A medium, a, a decent-sized pot, one that you're not easily moving on your own. Yeah, right. Yeah. So that would be my minimum, but obviously. Well, the oyster in maximums. Yeah, exactly. Keep going. And this has even got another benefit is figs hate wet feet. They really mm. hate poorly draining soil. So keeping them in a pot, that's one of the easiest ways to minimize or kind of reduce. Yeah, amazing. Eliminate any drainage issues. If you didn't want to grow it in a pot, you may want to grow it in a raised garden bed. That's another way to help with the drainage, although your roots are still going to go into the ground and yep. go nuts. The other good thing about it when we're picking a spot is it's very easy to prune and manipulate. So you can grow it against a brick wall. I One of my friends is doing that and it's what, – what's it called? Espalier. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it looks amazing yeah, they on do. the brick wall. They do. I think we should do an episode on that because okay. I used to think it was a bit of a wank fest, like people just did it to look good and it wasn't that productive. But actually the more time goes on, the sometimes I see it where you couldn't necessarily fit a fig tree if you just let it grow as a round fig tree. So mm. spalling it actually enables you to use space in a small garden a lot more effectively. Yeah. So I think I think there's value in that. So a fig is a really easy one to espalier. You can even kind of grow it into a hedge like a screening ah, plant, which wow. may be interesting to like get rid of neighbours or yeah. create shade, cool. whatever. It doesn't like wind for some reason. So against a brick wall, I think that has a lot of appeal because it's not going to be mm. in the wind. So in a pot, espaliered, shaped into a tree, against a – shaped into a tree. <laughs> shaped into <laughs> a hedge. <laughs> shaped into a hedge all left as a tree, but warning, if you just leave it as a tree, it will grow about three metres tall, about five metres wide. Wow. Which is huge. It is huge. Now, the thing is, this may be a benefit to you in that it's going to be, it's a very dense canopy. So it creates obscene shade, crazy mm. shade. Maybe you like that. Maybe you need 
a shade, shade in yeah. your garden if you do brilliant but just be aware if you put a fig in now it's only going to take a couple of years until that thing is very large mm. they grow very fast and if that's north of your veggie patch your entire veggie patch oh yeah I'm is shade, be yeah in shade so think very carefully about when this thing gets big what's it going to be shading yeah. it's deciduous so it's going to lose its leaves so it's not a bad plant for summer shade and mm-hmm. winter summer yep. so you know near a house it could be good although again we're nervous about the but it's in a situation pot, yeah the other thing you can do like this is I've never done this, but you can like dig a hole in the ground, like a huge hole, and then kind of line it with something so the feet, the roots can't actually uh, yeah. get past. Although people say this, like you can put like a like an, almost like a plastic bag inside the ground, but then I think if it's going to break through some a, pipes, it's going to break through a your, plastic bag. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know. Food do with that what you will. Yeah. <laughs> Google it and see what you reckon. <laughs> so the other thing I remember about when we discussed this earlier is that it needs full sun, full sun. It does, yeah. Like all fruit, pretty much full sun, full sun in summer. In winter, again, because it's deciduous, we don't care. Mm-hmm. So a, a good one to think, like, yeah, put it somewhere where it's going to be in the shade in winter, yep. no problem. But it does need the full sun. So we've covered off what you're growing, mm. which is a cutting, mm-hmm. where you're growing it, mm-hmm. full sun, full sun, in a pot or in the soil if you're, if you're game. But yep. the pot sounds like the safer bet to <laughs> me. Does. When you're planting it, so yeah. now's kind of the right time in this winter period where it's, you know, buried fruit trees are ruling the roost. Bang on. What Are there types of varieties of figs that we need to think about here or is it just like one standard variety yeah no good question there are quite a few varieties when i say quite a few i'd say like six or eight that you could get okay uh, as a home gardener which is a pretty good variety oh, a pretty great. good commercial yeah. option obviously you know like all things there's heaps and heaps and heaps of them but you're not going to find them commercially i don't stress overly about the variety like if your neighbor or someone in your street had a fig tree that was going really well i'd just take a cutting of it even if you don't know what it is and grow that yeah if you were buying them from the nursery, two really common ones that do pretty well for most people are called a black Genoa and a, or a brown turkey. Not, sorry, not like it's not the name for the same plant. That's two. I said it's that either weirdly. a black Genoa yeah. or it's a brown turkey. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> and this this is fine like North Australia where it's tropics and us down south that like both those two recommended or mm. those two for like our climate here in Melbourne. So. Both those can kind of go everywhere, but if you were in the really cold, you'd go a brown turkey okay. over a black genoa. Figs grow best in hot summers and cold winters. So for most of Australia, that kind of works. Mm. Tropical, I think you're going to struggle a little bit. Oh, gosh, it's rare that we I get know, one. That's so the- <laughs> and like Queensland fruit fly is an issue for yeah, figs. Yeah, right. Luckily, I don't think that's really an issue for oh, us here in Melbourne. Oh, okay. Oh, so, no, sorry. Down, sorry, it's not an issue for us in Melbourne. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, yeah. you know, issue, I think... Issue in the north. Yeah. So, look, I don't know. I've never gardened in the north. But if I was going to say, I'd stick to your pineapples and your mangoes and <laughs> leave, <laughs> leave the figs for us. So, yeah, any kind of Mediterranean hot, cold situation, it does really well in. Sometimes I am quite particular about varieties for the different climates, but I think for the most part, if you're in a pretty generic hot, cold situation like Melbourne, like New South Wales, like Canberra, Tasmania, whatever, I wouldn't be – I'm not so stressed about the time. 
I'm pretty sure they're all self-fertile, whether a wasp sorts it out or it sorts itself out. Mm. So I don't think you have to worry about looking at that. I, like they say that not all of them are self-fertile, but I've never seen a variety that we would conceivably grow that's not self-fertile. So I don't think worry about that. The one other thing about the type, and I did mention this on last week's episode or last episode, was the Breba varieties. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So these are the ones that are growing all mm. throughout so you can harvest them early early yes. spring? Uh, early summer. Probably early summer. Yeah. 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 So as Tess correctly said, what this is is they're going to make some baby figs in autumn. They're not going to ripen. So they're going to sit on the tree over winter. The whole tree is going to lose its leaves and there'll be these like little baby figs on it. And then come spring, once it warms up and the plant grows its leaves, those figs will mature and you'll have those figs early summer. Then the plant is going to make its normal crop of figs that will then ripen in autumn. Oh, so you get, hang on, you get get two. two. Yeah, you get two bites of the cherry. I think that is very appealing. How how do they taste? Oh, great. Do you mean the different? Yeah, between between like your black... Genoa, I've forgotten the names of them. And brown turkey. And brown turkey. Uh, the black Genoa is considered a nicer fig. Okay. To be honest, I think any fig. Any fig's delicious. Like, and, you know, if you've only ever eaten a commercial fig, like, it doesn't even compare. Mm. This is not, in my opinion, this is one that's worth the effort of growing because the difference is so vast between yeah. the purchase. Not like a carrot where I'm like, I reckon they taste pretty good purchase. <laughs> I'm pretty excited about the perch fig. So, look, I think if you can manage growing one, it doesn't matter what variety, but if we're going for gold standard, I think the black Genoa is the way to go. Okay, okay. The other reason I mentioned both these varieties is because both of them are Breba varieties, which means you'll get the double fruit. Oh. Because not all figs you will. Right, okay. I thought Breba was a different variety oh, to – Okay, good Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, this. so they are subcategories of the Bieber. The beaver. <laughs> Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber. <laughs> Say it again. Bereba. Bereba, not Bieber. <laughs> that will stay with me. Yeah. yeah, B-R-E-B-A. Okay. Now, I've never, ever heard this term in any gardening t- talk except for figs. So I don't know. I don't know if it's like if it's a class of figs or it's a feature of figs, but when you buy a fig, it will have the variety name, so say the black genoa or the brown turkey, and then in the kind of selling points of that variety, it will say self-fertile and it will say breba fruiting. Okay, and breba means the double fruit. You get two goes. Yeah. I really love the idea of that. I would only buy Oh, I mean, that sounds amazing. Yeah, it does. I will say this, that the summer crop, the Breba crop, is not anywhere near as big or prolific as the autumn crop. Gotcha. So I'm still going to say on a whole they're an autumn fruiting. But to get a little, you know, fig enjoyment in summer I think is worth it. Why not? Why not grow a Breba? Yeah, how delightful. Yeah, so whatever variety you get, grow the Breba. Obviously, if you're stealing out of your neighbour's garden, unless You're going to get what they have. You're going to get what they have and if they – my guess is most people would be growing Breba varieties. Yeah, okay. So, but food for thought in picking your type. Excuse the pun. (laughs) Food for thought? No? (laughs) Food for thought, yeah. (laughs) 
Okay, let's talk about care and maintenance. Let's. What are we watching out for? So like I said with the planting, the free-draining soil, very important. Mm. I would give it a good feed when you plant it. If you're planting it in a pot, and I sound like a broken record with this, we really need that soil to be bang on. Okay. Because that is the only nutrients that thing's getting. We're going to plant it in, follow the instructions in our planting a fruit tree episode mm-hmm. for that. Yes. So we'll gloss over it. Mulch it. Yes. Okay. We like mulch. Now, figs are actually very drought tolerant. Oh, that's quite nice. Well, it is, but let me hear me out. Okay. <laughs> They're drought tolerant in the same way olives are. So if you've had an experience growing olives, you can relate to this. The tree itself is incredibly drought tolerant. You could never water it. It will continue to grow. But if water is restricted from it, it will prioritize growing the tree and it will not fruit. Oh. Or like it will not flower and therefore it will yeah, I mean, it's fruit is yes. flower. So what you can see is you're getting this fig tree or this olive tree that's growing every year and growing, but you're like, it's not fruiting. Yeah. But it confuses people because they're like, well, if it was a water issue, the thing wouldn't be growing. It's just about the plant prioritizing how okay. it uses its resources. So it will not die if you don't water it, but it will affect fruit production. Okay. So we're going to try and water it anyway. Yeah. How's about that? Uh the, I think the unfun thing about figs is birds and possums particularly really <sighs> love them. That makes me so mad. <laughs> I know. I know. And I'm going to say like probably in the country it's more a bird thing and in the city it's going to be the possums. Yeah. So consider netting them. Yeah, okay. And it is quite easy to net something in a pot. So that's another reason why it's not yep. a bad option. Obviously you only need – not obviously but – I'm telling you, you only need to net it when they're ripening. Yes. So there's not okay. that. It's not like you need this thing sitting in your patio netted all year round. Yep. No, it's just for that, I don't know, couple of weeks, month where mm. these start become to become appealing. Okay. They'll probably start eating the figs before you would start eating the figs. So just remember that from a timing perspective. The other thing to remember is figs won't ripen off the tree. Ah, okay. Some things do, some things don't. Figs is a no. Yep. So you want to – you can't do like a tomato trick and say I'm going to bring them all in when they're green and let them ripen on the bench. We need them to ripen on the tree. And I think this is one of the reasons why the ones you purchase are so shit is because they don't travel – like when they ripe, they don't travel well, they don't store well, blah, blah, blah. So I think often when you're buying a fig, you're actually buying an unripe fig, which is why the flavour isn't good. How do you know when they're ripe? Yeah, that's a great question. I have no idea other than like the softness of it. Yeah, picking one, needing it, seeing how it goes. Literally. Don't don't harvest them all before you try one. (laughs) No, honestly, like I kind of feel them and then if I feel like it's on point, then I'll harvest that one. You want it to be a little bit soft. Yeah, it needs to be a little bit soft. Actually, and having said that, I can distinctly remember they don't all ripen at the same Yeah, minute. right, okay. Like I'm not saying this is like a long, this is not months situation, but just because one's ripe, I think each needs to be taken on their own merit gotcha. as far as ripeness is concerned. But, yes, some give to a squeeze. Yep. Yep. And colour, maybe in the variety, you'll start to learn. Yeah, the colour will change for the variety. So I couldn't I couldn't tell you that. But but you'll learn if you, yeah. once you, you once you get it in there. Yeah, yeah, you're 100% right because they all start out – 
quite green yeah. and then develop that darker mm. colouring. No, that's a really good point. The colouring will be an indicator. Once you get used to it, yeah. Yeah, once you know what you're doing. Any pests apart from the oh. possums and birds, those dirt bags? <laughs> <laughs> there actually are a few pests. Okay. Honestly, I've never had any of them. I think a lot of them are more prone to warmer weather issues. Right. So I'm going to say if you're in the south of Australia, it's probably going to be less of an issue. If you are further up north, the warmer you get, the more issues you might encounter. Okay. I'm not going to go through each of them. Yeah, like, sure. But, just, but it is a thing. So watch out. If something changes on your fig, yeah. other than it's losing its leaves because it's winter, give that a check out. Yeah, okay. Okay, great. Because there are some things. Uh, the only other thing you're going to do with your fig is in winter, you're going to give it a prune. Okay. Now, I've said this many times that every single plant needs a different pruning schedule. So look it up. But I will say figs is one of those ones that you can't really stuff up. Hmm. It's pretty feels pretty hardy as a plant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so hardy. And giving it a prune is important to kind of regenerate and grow. Yeah, okay. The other thing is the way it fruits, like it's a bit different to most things because it kind of fruits along the stems in a way that most things kind of cluster in different it, – it, it's a bit of a weird one in fruiting, but it means that when you prune, you, yeah, you can't stuff it up. Because if you prune something else and you cut off where all the clusters are, you might get no fruit, but you're not going to do that with the fig. Okay. Okay. One final question for me on harvesting. Mm. Is there a trick to it? Nah, just snip them off. Snip them off? Yeah. Secateurs? Secateurs. Just get them out of your tool belt? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So the big question, is the juice worth the squeeze? This is where we look at the effort-reward ratio of today's topic. The categories are superstar, high effort, high reward. Completing this will make you feel like an absolute rock star. Best on ground, low effort, high reward. Quick wins and fill-ins, low effort, low reward. And finally, the wooden spoon, high effort, but not much reward. So have I tempted you to put a fig in a pot at your place? Small-scale gardening, what are we thinking? I love it mm. in theory. Mm. The problem I have in practice is I don't have a great full sun, full spun, sun mm. spot for it. Mm. So that is kind of my concern at the moment. I just need to have a think about... The position. The positioning. Yeah. And I just I feel like with fruit trees fruit such flower in this case if you don't have the right position for it it won't fruit you just like pushing shit uphill (laughs) (laughs) no you're right to to half do it would be just a waste of space yeah Mm. the Possums in my area are bad. Are, are so bad as well. Yeah. Which is why I do the tomato trick of pulling yeah. them off when they're green yeah. because there's such dirtbags in mm. my area. I could, don't know if you remember me telling you this, but like they just went crazy one time and took all of my tomatoes or the few mm. that I had, but mm. that was very irritating for me. In a city, they're a real problem because when I mean, we've taken their, you know, like – We've taken their environment away, but they're still here. And yeah. inner city gardeners are constantly, mm. you know, like my sister with a chili plant, which just shows that they know no, no bounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> the other, the one thing you can do with the fig is if you had a really, like obviously you've got a big tree, you're not going to do this, but if you had a pot in your garden, you can get these little like organza bags. They're like little gift bags that you get you, you gift jewellery in. You can oh, get them. Okay. You can actually just use like the gifting ones, but now garden supply stores sell yeah, them. Right. And then as the fig's about to ripen, you put the bag over just it. Just over the little fig. Yeah, and then oh, pull the drawstick. Yeah. They actually, you can use these on any things, but yeah. I don't usually bother saying it because it sounds like a bit of work. But I think for the joy and expense of a single fig, getting a few of these bags and putting them over and they it's are not bad. so expensive yeah. at the grocer. Yeah. So, like, if you're putting an organza bag over, you know, every, mm. I don't know, something really cheap and plentiful, like, it's not yeah. it's not going to work. But I think for a fig, for the price and for the result you're going to get, buying 10 bags and then just using them every year yeah. for your little fig I covers. Like that as a little yeah, solution. I quite like it too. Okay. The thing is, you can't do it too early because you've got to make sure the wasps can get in and out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So it is like just prior to ripening. I hope we haven't put anyone off figs with that wasp chat earlier. Surely not. Hopefully. I mean, if you did, like, if I never told you, you'd never know. You'd never know. Yeah. So for me, I mean, obviously the reward, fabulous. Love a fig, a fresh fig straight off the tree. I don't know if there's anything better. The worry about the possums and the concern I have about the lack of full sun, full sun. Mm are two issues that I think bumps it up to the superstar status for me. But mm. if you solve those problems or if you did have a sunny spot, it otherwise seems like mm. it's a pretty hardy mm. grower. Yeah, it is. I would say as far as fruit trees grow, it's sitting like best on ground. Yeah. But as far as the average person in a suburb, suburban backyard, I'm going to say superstar as well because you are going to have to put in some effort to manage the pests, mm. um, being the possums and the birds, potentially the kind of smaller pests like the fruit fly might be an issue for you. And then, look, let's be honest, in a half-metre-sized pot, you're going to get a, a few figs. Like if it was bang for buck, if you put a tomato plant in that same plant, as far as like kilos of food, you're going to do kilos better. Kilos of food, sure. But maybe if you got, I don't know, say 10 figs. Yeah. Expense and enjoyment. Expense and enjoyment. Maybe not. Yeah. So I, it, it obviously just depends on what the value metric is for you. A hundred percent. But as far as the space to food ratio, I'm going to say it's pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but look, the good thing about it is once it's planted and it's going, I don't do anything other than watering it. So mm. I'm, not, I'm not tying it up. I'm not staking it. I'm yep. not doing any of these things. I may put an organza bag over it. That would be the only kind of maintenance thing. Mm. So it is, I would say, like low effort in the growing season. Yeah. So that counts for something too. But, yeah, look, I will agree. I'll put it as a superstar. Rooting for You is hosted by Elise and Tess, artwork by Lauren Janine. You can find us on Instagram at rootingforyoupod or email rootingforyou at elisealexandra.com. And remember, we are rooting for you.